this is Gene, uh, back with Josh. We welcome you again to the Church Reconstructed Podcast. We spent a couple episodes talking about culture, specifically culture in the context of church. And we sort of want to shift gears this episode and uh, get into sort of the idea of networking and um, missional models and that kind of thing. I'm going to start by reading uh, passages familiar to many if you've been in the church very long at all. In John, found in John chapter 15. Uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. It's the parable of the vine dresser. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. He says in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And finally, verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So I want to sort of use that verse as uh, a backdrop to sort of jump into this discussion of, of networks and control. And I think the, the thing that's been most, I guess, life-changing for me was uh, in the fall of 2020, uh, in the midst of covid uh, my wife and I felt led to do a sabbatical. So we took a 30-day sabbatical. And uh, I love the mountains. She loves the beach. So we did uh, two weeks in the mountains and two weeks at the beach. But um, we spent, you know, took that time to just sort of unplug and spend time with the Father and spend time in prayer and seek His heart and, and all those kinds of things. And the thing, like the, the reoccurring theme the whole time the Lord kept taking me back to was the idea of, of just control and the idea that, that I and the structure I had put in place at our church was hindering his movement and stopping him from doing what he wanted to do. Yeah. And just to think about that, like how many churches could the pastor take a 30 day sabbatical? I know we're still in the like very trial and error part of growing in all of this stuff that we're talking about. But I think it's huge to be at a place that you could take that without the church absolutely crumbling. I mean, we had some problems here. We couldn't figure out the technical stuff because I don't know how to use the camera. But um, as for the actual church, you know, it didn't fall apart while you were gone. And I think, you know, that's why we see so many pastors have burnout and all this stuff is because they have created churches that depend on them to be there weekly, them to deliver the sermon, them to tell everyone what to do. And if that person was gone because you weren't just not here for the, for 30 days. We tried our hardest to not call, text, email, tried not to bother you in any way to actually give you the sabbatical that you requested. And um, I think it says a lot about church culture that that is something more people should be able to do. I agree. I've, I've actually thought, I was actually thinking last week, man, it'd be awesome to take another one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been... Well, a year and a half, I guess, uh, since we came back right at it. But, uh, I mean, it was, it was just a really good time of refreshment. And, you know, in, in all truthfulness, you re you really probably need more than 30 days. Yeah. At least I do. 
uh, 90 days would have been nice. Um, and, and it wasn't about uh, any, anything, but just, it, you know, I'm just the kind of person, the way God's wired me. It, just, it takes me some time to unplug even when I'm yeah. gone. So it usually takes me, even we go on a week vacation, uh, there's not much vacation for me because it takes me a week to unplug from everything yep. and really feel like I'm getting rest. So I guess from that perspective, I would want it longer. But it, you're right. I mean, it was cool that we were at a place we could do that and we had the leadership team in place that would support everything and, and step up and do what needs to be done. But I think that that says a lot about you know the need in a lot of churches. Yeah. Like you said, it, a lot of churches, you know, there's a, you know, to borrow a phrase, a kingpin pastor, yep. and he feels like he must control everything and have his hands on everything and and be involved in everything. And you know, I used to be that guy. In, in all honesty, you know, I my I'm very gifted in administration and I like that kind of thing and I thrive in that area. And you know, I, I used to want to be involved in everything. And so this has been a personal journey for me, and so it's very dear to my heart for the past year, year and a half, and, and still working in that area. Yeah, just the idea of control and releasing people, and letting people uh, do what you know they are called to do, what you know God has placed them in your life to do, even though uh, they may not do it as good as I expect them to, or yeah. I could. Yeah, but giving them the freedom to do so. Yeah, I was thinking about that as you were talking because uh, one of the most important talks I ever had on on this topic was someone asking me when I used to teach a high school class at a church, um, one of the guys that helped me teach the high school class, I was asked, why is he not teaching as well? And I said, well, because he's not ready. And I was looked dead in the eyes and said, well, who's ready? Like when you started teaching, were you ready? And I was like, no, not at all. And I'm still not. And um, just the idea that yeah, we're going to see people do things that in our heads we think we can do better. But I think to whenever Jesus sent out 72 people, he was sending them to do stuff that obviously he could do better, that he could have went to each of the places that he sent them to and done what he asked them to do way better than that. But he was creating a network of believers. He was creating people that could go out and do the same thing that he was doing. So it was not fully dependent on him to do everything. He was teaching what church is supposed to be by saying hey now everything that i've done you go do not right. come back here and hear me speak about it again next week and speak about it again the next right. week you go do it you know in, in the context of kingdom you know i've read and what, what always sticks with me is if, if you're not training the next generation if you're not teaching the next generation in your replacement even yep then you're not really doing kingdom work. Yeah, and your ministry or church or whatever is going to pass away with you. Right. And that's sad. Um, and to go back to what we were talking about, being able to take a 30-day sabbatical or a 90-day sabbatical, being able to do those things before spiritual burnout is huge. That's why we see so many pastors now that end up falling into sexual sin or stealing money or whatever the case is, just they are so burnt out and they want a way out. And whether it's intentional or not, the only way out is to be kicked out or to be excommunicated or just to be let go of. Right. And they'll take any option they can get just to get away. And it's always horrible when it has to come to that point because... I think the beautiful thing about being able to take a break is being able to do it before you need it. Right. 
Yeah, and, and I've been there. I completely relate to that as well. And we can get into that later on. <laughs> That's a long story, but uh, I, I think it. I don't know. I think it's just a it's a mindset, it's a mentality that needs to change in the church. From like I said, church leadership thinking that that they have to control everything, and control yeah. everyone. Now going back to this parable of the vine dresser, we have to realize that you know we are not the vine dresser. We are yeah. a branch. Mm-hmm. We're a branch on the vine. And my job is a branch. Your job is a branch. Whoever's listening to this, you know, your job is a branch is to produce more fruit, yep. right? It's, it's about kingdom expansion and kingdom equipping. And, uh, you know, as I said a couple of episodes back, it's not about building my empire and making my name great, but it's about producing fruit for him and making his name great and expanding his kingdom. Yes. So how does that work? Like practically, what does that look like? What my mind kept going back to is just letting go of the need to control others, letting go of the need to micromanage everything. Um, And I know that's something that we could both say that we struggle with is needing to know what's going on, needing to know exactly who's doing what. But in the end, all you're doing when you do that is setting up a church culture that cannot thrive without you being present. And if that's the church culture that we create, then it's not going to work because it can only thrive with a certain person present. And it's more dependent on that person than it is on Christ or on the Holy spirit and learning, as you said, to be a branch and to let other branches be branches and to use a cliche quote to let go and let God just to trust that God knows what he's doing. And the same Holy spirit that's in you is also in the other branches and that he can accomplish just as much with them um, actually, he, he can accomplish way more with them than he can with you trying to overshadow and tell them every little step they need to take. Right. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, he, he can uh, he can lead and guide and bring correction and clarification in ways that you know we can't dream yeah. of or know anything about. So the you know the trend in, in the church is in, in the Western Church in America seems to be um, in. You know, again, making a, I guess I'm making a blanket statement here, but uh, in some ways the movement seems to be away from denominations uh, and more toward networks. And I think, you know, we've we've tried to, I guess, position is a, is a good word. We try to position ourselves for, you know, something like that. I do think, you know, that's part of what God has called us to be is, yeah. is a church that, you know, is a, you know, a hub or, or a link, you know, whatever kind of network you want to look at. There's different models, but is to be a part of something much bigger than us. And yep. I think, you know, I can see him putting the pieces together for that network and, and connecting us with other house church, with house churches and, you know, regular churches and just different ministries across the country. But um, what my mind goes to is we think about networks and, and what's required for that, again, is, is the kingpin pastor getting out of the way, uh, I think, to a large degree. And, and, and the other thing that goes along with that is, you know, just the creating that culture where people you know, are free to step out and do what God's called them to do. I know often we've said from the from the platform here, like, just do what God is calling you to do. Yeah. It's really that simple. Uh, again, we make it all about, you know, things that shouldn't be and get focused on details that don't matter. But ultimately, it comes back to everybody walking independently with Him and taking a step of faith and doing what God has called them to do, whatever that is and whatever that looks like. Yeah. And I think... The, the downside of that, I think the, the only downside that I see to that is when people come in, what they see looks very disorganized to them. Yes. And I know we've had people who have visited here who are no longer here and who you know, felt that way, that what they saw was this disorder 
but it's not disorder at all. It's truly letting Jesus be the head because yeah. he is the head and letting him lead and guide others indiv- you know, individually as, as he needs to. And, uh, you know, he doesn't need us to do that. You know, yeah. we just, again, he's the vine dresser. He can prune, he can correct, he can lead, he guides, and we just need to get out of his way. Yeah. As, as someone who does like a traveling outreach, um, just thinking of like how hard it would be if, when traveling, if I had to make certain calls or certain choices, if I had to call the whole pastoral team of our church to make sure that we're all in agreement and to make sure that this is 100% what I should do and do all of that before spending any time in prayer or trying to understand what God would have me do. And I have known plenty of people who that is basically what their church teaches, even if they don't mean to. Right. Is They apply. Yes. Yeah. If you're going to be a part of our church, you check with us before you do anything. And if we disagree with it, you can no longer be under the banner of our church. Right. And that's unfortunate. Um, we should all be able to and be trusted to hear the Holy Spirit and to know what we're called to do and to go do those things. And the job of the church, the job as a, us on the pastoral team should just be to empower that. Right. And to provide right. correct teaching Resource. resources and anything that we can do to help, but to like step in and choose preferences and to say that this way is better than another way and completely override what the Holy Spirit is teaching. I, that's something that we were never meant to do. That's something the church was never meant to do. I think the one responsibility we do have is to, and this has come to me, it's completely from the Lord, but uh, is to call those things out in people yep. when we see them. Uh, one guy comes to mind who's here now at our church. and I mean, like the second time I've ever met him, the Lord's like, and, you know, pastor. Like, I just yeah. saw it on him. Like, I just, he has a pastor's heart. He's a shepherd. Yeah. He just has that heart. And, I, and so, you know, a couple of weeks later, when I knew him a little better, I shared that with him. And he actually came up to me about two weeks ago. and was like, hey, man, you remember, like, when you told me this? <laughs> I was like, yeah, he said, I think you were right. Like, that's where God's leading me. But the, the other thing came to my mind was, you know, I think I've shared this story before, but we had a lady who called us, caught me in the hall of our building one, um, one weekend. We come in for worship, and uh, she catches me in the hall, and she's super excited, and she has a piece of paper in her Bible, and she says, uh, basically, God, God had woke her up at, I think it was 2 o'clock in the morning. He said, she's had an amazing dream, and God woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning and showed me this ministry that I need to do. And she had sketched the whole plan out on paper. Like, she had it all laid out. And she, her, her words to me just broke my heart. And her, because what she said to me was, "All I need is your permission." And so immediately, I think God woke you. You were woken up at two o'clock in the morning, and the Holy Spirit dropped this vision into your heart and showed you all of this. Yep. Why do you need my approval? Yep. You know that's that's immediately what comes to my mind. But that 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 is the mentality in, in most churches. Like, hey, you know, God's told me this, so I go get somebody's approval yep. to go do to go do it and to carry it out when. The way I see it, if God leads you to do something, you just need to be obedient and do it. Yep. You, you don't need uh, anybody's approval to do those things. And to think that church history and church culture has taught her that if you being the pastor were to say no, that overrides the dream that God gave her. Right. That overrides what the Holy Spirit told her because the pastor being the direct voice from God 
if he was to say, no, that's not something we're going to do at our church, or that doesn't fit the plan. I've been told that by plenty of churches that I've asked yeah, fit for help on trips. Right. So like that doesn't fit the overall vision of the church. Right. So I'm sorry, we can't spend time or resources on that. Just how heartbreaking that is to know that church history has taught us to accept the no. Right. When that's not what we see in Paul. That's not what we see throughout scripture of people that know they're called to do something directly from God, they they just do it. Right. And God honors that. But we've set up this idea that you do need permission of the church. You do need permission. And yeah, I completely agree. It's heartbreaking. You know, and I and I, I mean I get it. I, I mean I knew I knew her heart. So yeah. I, I mean and she was just asking me out of respect, I guess, you know, because she's you know, that's just that's just where she's at, and and I get that, and I appreciate that. I mean, I'm not bad mouthing her, or, you know, yeah. saying talking negative about her in any way. I mean, she just did what she felt like she needed to do, and I and I get that, and I and I get covering, and I get spiritual authority, and I get all those things. But what I wanted to say to her was, well, if God woke you up at two o'clock and gave you this dream, why would He confirm that through me? Like, yeah. why would you need my confirmation? Yeah, go do it. Yeah, and I know the church culture that we're trying to create here is. Don't come in here and ask for permission. Come in here and tell us how we can help. Right. Come in here and tell us what you need. Like, hey, uh, God spoke to me and told me to do this thing. I just need hands right. to do this. I need hands to make the hot dogs, the hamburgers. I need hands to uh, set up an area for the kids. And I know the uh, thing that we're talking about, she had a really cool plan. She had multiple bonfires, right. a really cool plan. And she needed hands with that. And it would have been you know, just such a cool opportunity. And it is a cool opportunity to get to serve through such a unique idea that right. God woke someone up at 2 a.m. and gave them. It was such a cool thing to get to see. Absolutely. And I think that's such a cool culture to try to create is just not so much asking for permission, but being excited and being like, who wants to partner in this? Yep, I agree. I mean, I think, like you said, the church's response should be not, yes, we bless you, be on your way, but uh, what do you need from us? Yes. Like, well, how can we resource you? You know, you need money, you need people, you need a location. Like, you know, what can we do to make this happen instead of, you know, making it about approval and blessing? So how do you think as a church, and I'm also thinking of an answer for this too, because it's a very tough one, as a church, like the church as a whole, to let go of the micromanaging, to let go of the control. And I know like the obvious answer is just to do it, just to surrender things to God, as we've talked about on previous episodes, just complete surrender to God. But practically, what does that look like to you? Um, a couple things come to mind. I guess the first thing is, you know, there's probably the, the thing that you're struggling with and, you know, giving up control, I guess, of, there's probably somebody in your church that can do it as good as you anyway, or better. Mm -hmm. Like maybe even passionate about it, right? And they're and they're passionate about it. I, I have found that you know God God always gives me the people to do what He's yeah. called me to do, and those people are usually already here. Mm -hmm. I just I, I don't have the the knowledge of them or the, you know, the intimate knowledge of their heart and their passion to know those things. So I would encourage you to you know to seek out those people, yeah, and to you know release them and empower them to do what what they're passionate about. And the second thing that's left my mind. 
the one that I keep thinking is just trust, just trusting God, trusting, as you said, that God's going to bring the people that need to be here for the time. And um, the whole story in Exodus about Moses's father-in-law seeing the way that he handled the children of Israel and saying, this is too much for you to do by yourself. Right. You need to delegate responsibilities. You need to let go of some of this control. Yeah. because this is going to kill you to continue doing this by yourself and best case scenario of hanging on to control is you have a very powerful outreach for the 30 40 years that you have the health to do it but then it dies with you right but to surrender control means it can go way beyond you yeah that sort of ties in my second thing is faith <laughs> i remember when you started talking uh you know, I think a lot of times we just, we, we completely discredit how powerful God is yeah. and what he can do. And I think a lot of times it comes down to just, you know, us as leaders lacking the faith that God can handle this and that, that you know, the people are here and that he can, he can make it all work out according to his plan. Yep. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just get out of the way. Yeah. As simple as that sounds. Yeah. I think the hardest the hardest thing for um, for pastors, you know, specifically when it comes to this, is the whole idea of uh, they got to preserve the truth yeah. and like they got to protect the flock from heresy or you know some crazy idea. Yeah. And so they think they have to control everything that's taught and everything that's said and you know micromanage all that. And uh, so that's what we want to talk about next time. Yeah. of the church.